Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. My co-partner Evan Damerel is with me today. We're going to talk about Cavs Grizzlies, which the Cavs lost, but was still kind of a fun game. I'll give you a little more insight into that season opener. We're going to talk about Friday's Cavs Hornets game, the home opener for Cleveland, and then Saturday's Cavs Hawks game where Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks come to town. That's all coming up today on Lockdown Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And today's podcast is also brought to you by our friends at McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. If you don't know, first time listening, watching us on YouTube, etc. I'm Chris Manning, editor for The Sword, right at places like Cleveland Magazine, Dime, Forbes, etc., my co-partner in crime here is Evan Damerel. He helps run the ship with me at Fear the Sword, and he covers all of Cleveland sports at Facebook Bulletins right down Euclid. Find that him on correct. Twitter and am not Evan. Evan, how are you? I'm good, man. It's uh, middle of the day on a Thursday. The Browns play the Broncos soon. For those who may not know, I am a Broncos fan and a Browns fan, and I worked late last night because of the Cavs game, so I ran a couple errands this morning where my Broncos pull over and got harassed by a giant eagle worker who got in my face and said, you know what, the Denver Broncos suck. And I'm like, they, they do. They do. But this is the clean sweater on top of my laundry basket. I didn't feel like getting dressed up because I got my hair cut. Got a, got, I, I, told, I told the guy who cut my hair, it's Cavs, the home opener tomorrow. Uh, he recognized me from the show, actually. And he's like, oh, I got to give you the nicest fade possible. And he's like, make sure you're looking fresh for the cameras. I was like, thank you. So... I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling fine. Look, feel, look good. Feel good. Record well. I don't want to say record good, but how are you, man? I'm, I'm doing. I got a nice uh, sparkling beverage. I'm drinking. No free ad. Beverage. But, yeah, beverage. But we're, uh, we're gonna dive into more of this game. Um, Evan, when you, when you consider um, just what we watched, you know, we talked about Evan Mobley a bunch. We talked about Okora. We talked about the starting lineup change. We talked about a bunch of different stuff. I guess, is there anything else from that game that we should kind of hit on um, as we're kind of, before we look ahead to the weekend, the freaking weekend? Uh, Shetty Osmond was really, really good in this game. And like, we talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show, soon after the game concluded. Like, there was a lot of impressive individual performances. It was actually my stat of the night. It was the fact Cavs had seven of their nine players score in double digits with Isaac Okoro and Kevin Love not being those two that did it. And Jetty, we kind of didn't have enough time to talk about because there's just so much to discuss for a season opener, which, you know, part of his excitement. But Jetty was really impressive. Um, Peaks and Valleys player, maybe this is going to be one or one of two or three games in this peak, and then he's going to come crashing back down to earth. But defensively still a mess, but three or three from three. Um, Ricky Rubio is making a concerted effort to get him involved, you know, part of that uh, team high assist total since 2016, which is still a stat that blows my mind. But um, no, Jenny looked really sharp in this game. And I think the sense of urgency to say like, okay, if you want, or like the sense of urgency to say that the backup wing spot is kind of up for grabs. I mean, 
Isaac Okoro got benched for Lowry Marketing, so it's really up for grabs. So, like, wing depth is a paramount need for the Cavs, and Okoro's obviously going to be penciled in as one of those wings, and I think Jetty is making the most of the situation to make sure that Lamar Stevens and, yeah, Dylan Windler's hurt, and I, it's just unfortunate because Dylan's goal is to play 82 games this year, and it's already one goal that's not going to happen. So... <laughs> Jetty could be easily penciled in as one of the reserve wings if he keeps this up. And this is the kind of Jetty Osmond the Cavs need where, sure, he's a mess defensively, but he's bringing you some positives in other ways in terms of shooting, in terms of spacing. I mean, he had one assist, so that's encouraging as well. So there's a little bit of good with Jetty. I mean, he had the worst or the second worst plus minus out of everybody on the floor for the Cavs, which, you know, hard to gauge when it's just such a back and forth non-defensive game. But Jetty was pretty encouraging. Like I hope he keeps it up against Charlotte. Yeah, I, I think that's a good that's a good note. Just because I I think he it's as good as we've seen him play. Um, very decisive on the offense under the floor. As you know, I don't think he was particularly good on defense, but that's not anything new. I had someone ask me. I was uh, texting with some folks about the defensively. Just his just up. the way he like his upper body just like goes up and down. It's quite all over the place. But I had someone ask me like, well, you, you know, pointed out like watch Jetty's feet during. Mm-hmm. Not really sound fundamentally sound. No, really. um, I, I think the other thing I want to hit on is Evan Mobley played 38 minutes. That's a lot of minutes for Evan Mobley, considering yeah. he's a rookie, considering he's just getting into the league, and it's the most minutes of anyone in this game. And it's it was by far the most of anyone with the caps. I thought the minutes distribution overall was just interesting, like. So here, run this down. Marketing played 31. Garland played 32. No one else played above 30. So Mobley was 38, obviously, as we said. So those three guys were 30 and above. Sexton only played 29. Allen played 29. Love, 17. Osmond, 17. Okoro, who led the team in minutes last year, 21. And Rubio played 25. I don't know if I like love Evan Mobley playing 38 minutes, you know, fresh out the gate there. I think that's a lot of minutes for him right off the bat. I also think, like, I thought Isaac just, um, I'm Isaac pilled, but, like, I think Isaac, like, was doing enough to impact the game where I'm, like, should, I, I should felt like, he'd be playing Jared. 10 fewer minutes than marketing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. and Jared, too. I mean, Jared was... Jared, Jared had the hot Jared hand the really entire well. night. He was 11-11 from the floor. I remember uh, Darius Garland corrected Kelsey Russo during media availability, saying, like, Jared, he's, like, she's, like, Jared had a pretty good game. He's just, like, pretty good. He had a great game. Like, I, I questioned some of JB's rotation decisions last night because Sexton playing less than 30 raised an eyebrow for sure. I think, I don't know, maybe the Cavs, like Sexton, is it cool to me to say he was kind of a non-impact in this game? Like he had 17 points, but then one assist, one rebound. Like, but other than that, like it's just, he scored 17 points. Like it was like an empty calorie night for Colin Sexton. Like he didn't do enough for me to say like, okay, he was a difference maker in this game. He was what's, I mean, yes, he made that big three to start the second half. Like he had moments that were big, but he wasn't like carrying the team on his back. And like that made me raise an eyebrow because you and I know, and it's become crystal clear that the Cavs are phasing towards this team becoming more Darius Garland's in the sex land tandem. So it's more land than it is sex right now in Cleveland. So I'm just intrigued by that. I, I wonder what D- JV is trying to do because the Jared Allen thing was interesting to me because like Jared was like red hot at one point. I think he hit like three straight buckets and then he pulled, then mm-hmm. JB pulled in for Larry Markin. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Why are we putting a guy who's just, wildly just a non-factor on both ends of the floor 
tonight. I mean, yes, he finished the night with 10 points, nine rebounds, two assists. He would have been the third Cavalier to have a double-double, which is weird to think. Same ditto for Mobley as well if he had an extra board, but uh, I question some of the rotation decisions. I don't know. Um, Justin Rowan pointed out that maybe the plus-minus isn't so bad with marketing on the floor, but again, this is one game, but I'm I, I I'm I'm intrigued to see how long this Laurie Markkinen honeymoon period lasts, and maybe we start seeing Isaac Okoro leading the team in minutes or second most minutes because Evan Mobley really might get a lot of burn just to kind of get him acclimated to the NBA game. Like I don't know. There's a lot of questions I have for JB, and he's kind of he gives answers without giving them. He doesn't really like to reveal his hand in terms of rotations, lineups, things like that. So I don't think you'd ever get a direct response unless it's completely off the record with him. Um, so I. I there, yeah, the rotation stuff like really made me raise an eyebrow when I started breaking down the numbers and like looking at it after the game and like just started noticing. I'm like, well, where the hell's Jared Allen? And then like I look down and I'm like, oh, and I start counting the players on the floor and like reading off the numbers in my head. I'm just like, oh, he's not on the floor, even though he's been a high impact player this entire game. It's just interesting. Yeah, I think we'll see how this irons out. I think there's some possibility it shifts around a little bit um, as we kind of go on here. You know, maybe the guard. I don't know. Like, I, I, as far as sexing goes, I do think you're not wrong that it, he wasn't like the one carrying the back. But I do think there, there was like that shot he hit was just big. I mean, that was just a yeah. really like the shot to bring into one was just massive. I think some of the cutting he did. I, I think really the biggest problem for him was just the defense. Like, I thought him defending Morant was just like often really struggle. Like the intensity was kind of there, but it was very yeah, the intensity like he was there, but he would foul Morant when he was so intense. Yeah, like, the, the Morant energy, was cooking, yeah. was taking turns bullying either Colin or Laurie on. Yeah, when the Cavs were on defense, like it, it, it got messy early, and that's how Morant just kind of found a comfort level, and he built momentum off that. Because I mean, he almost dropped forty points on the Cavs last night. Yeah, Morant was freaking incredible. But He's I, otherworldly. I, I want to see how this kind of all develops. I think I want to like Sexton's intensity on the defensive end was like a positive sign, but like it wasn't the him getting to a place where like he's being a, a actual good defender just wasn't quite there and all of that. But Evan, we got to take a break. As my drive just finished, my apologies, everyone listening. It's all right. Tell everyone about a friend at McDonald's. This episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by McDonald's, who have been proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place where you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Also, I mean, you guys might have listened before, but I live next to a McDonald's in college. If you are a student at the University of Akron, I lived on Wheeler Street, and you know exactly where the McDonald's is relative to that, and literally less than 500 feet. And this is back when they did 24-hour breakfast, and it was just a game changer for me, so... Uh, God bless you, McDonald's. Love you so much. So if you're hungry like me, like I'm pretty hungry right now, I might have to go make a McRun after this. Let's head to our local McDonald's refill and reconnect. Did somebody say a Locked on Cavs watch party? I think that would be phenomenal. We could have chicken McNuggets. We can have a Big Mac or two. Slosh it down with some exclusive McDonald's Coke. And you know what? We'll all be saying, ba 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 bum. I'm loving it because Chris Manning's paying. Debatable in that last part. All right, we're back. Let's talk about Cavs Hornets Friday night, the home opener. Evan, what are you looking forward to in Cavs Hornets? Like, what do you, 
um, stands out as something that you would like to kind of see and understand as far as this game goes? Well, what I'm looking forward to most is seeing good friend of the pod, Justin Rowan, because he finally crossed the border after escaping from the hose frozen hellscape that it is Winnipeg, Canada, after the conservatives in America mishandled COVID and prevented him from coming over sooner. So we can see Justin. I can see him for the second time. You can see him for the first time. But I'm also looking forward just to seeing the Hornets. Like, phenomenal branding. Uh, the Cavs will rock in their wines for the second night in a row. And hey, they're actually playing a team that's wearing a tealish color against because the Hornets are rocking their teal colors. But I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to see LaMelo Ball. I'm interested to see if JB sticks with the, uh, the the Tower City lineup again for this one. I think putting Isaac, deploying Isaac Okoro would be more beneficial because if you put Okoro on LaMelo Ball early instead of like trying to put Colin Sexton on him, LaMelo Ball is a player that if he builds a lot of momentum a lot, like I mean, this is a no dip for most players, but especially LaMelo Ball, if he builds a lot of momentum and he gets comfortable early, like this could be... Uh, the Cavs' ultimate downfall. Um, there may be you no know, scary Terry, though, so the Cavs don't really have to worry about him going off for like a 50-burger because Terry Rozier loves to just murder his hometown Cavs. Um, I'm just looking forward to a lot of things, interested in a lot of things. Um, Chris, you made a good point about this. It's been in my craw for a while. I think rebounding-wise, that's interesting, too, because our Discord, someone in our Discord server pointed this out, but uh marketing allen and mobley combined for 22 rebounds and they're out rebounded by steven adams i mean like the Cavs as a whole they started three seven footers they were out rebounded 53 to 36 and like yeah memphis has a lot of size so i wonder maybe if charlotte with their lack of size kind of causes things to balance out a little bit because larry marketing Again, my frustration is he doesn't use his God-given ability sometimes. And, like, he's seven feet tall. He should be able to be snatching boards left and right. Ditto for Jared out. But I don't know what's up with that because he only had four boards against the Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I will be curious to see sort of how um, they look defensive. I mean, on the rebounding end. Because if you just think about a, a way you can have an advantage against a team that doesn't really have – that has a big need at center and really struggled against – a team that obviously, you know, the Turner Sabonis pairing is much more developed and, and better right now than the Mobley Allen pairing is. But like they they really struggled with that duo in in a barn burner of an opening night game. They came back from a lot. They won. Lamelo looked like Vincent Adult Man. But like in that game, the 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 Pacers led by 15 from Sabonis uh, and seven from Turner and eight from Tory Craig and 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 uh, it looks like five from Duarte had 51 rebounds to a whopping uh, 40. So it's only a five point advantage for or five rebound advantage for Indiana in that game. So it's not like massive. So maybe like they're a better rebounding team than, than I sort of thought, but there just isn't bigs there. And like, here's, so here's their starting lineup. Lot Lamello, Gordon Hayward, Bridges, Ubre Plumley. I don't know about you, but I don't know if, um, I think the if the let's just assume the Cavs roll that same starting five, and I, there's not an indication now that they're going to change it after one game, or it's going to be a game by game thing. I think that that tends to not be like a great way to build continuity and, and kind of get settled. Is it doesn't strike me as like a JB thing. Mm -hmm. That's like a weird, like 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 so. Obviously, I think Colin, I, like who's like no one's really going to have be in a great position of that unit to guard Lamelo. Like you know, so Lowry's defending like one of Hayward and bridges and then, or is like Mobley defending bridges. Like, I, 
like I I would wonder it's like tough. how you're cross like the cross matching here could be weird because like like who's defending Hayward? Like there's not exactly like great answers for Cleveland defensively here without Okor at the at the three and with Lowry in there. But like I can I would guess it would be like Allen defends Plumley, Sexton defends Ball, uh, Mobley defends Bridges. And that leaves me marketing for, I guess, like, Probably maybe Washington. you try to hide. Go- I mean, maybe you try to, well, it, the starting five would be Ball, Oubre, Plumlee, Bridges, Hayward. So, P.J. Washington, McDaniels, Martin, Ishmith come off the bench with no Rozier. If Rozier plays and starts, like, this is a little bit more direct. You just have the yeah. small guard guard, the small guard, whatever. But, like, no, I maybe know, you're, but I, I mean, maybe, maybe Charlotte. Yeah tries to counteract size of size by subbing out um Uber for Washington because or they don't I mean, start, kinda, they start Washington yeah. instead. I don't know. I think PJ Washington can play power forward center for the Hornets. And I know I mean, he Brando does yeah that's what he that. does. That's what yeah, he does. He and Uber is kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just wonder if like if they roll out the steam starting five, like the how the Cavs match up will be kind of interesting. Cause like I you could it's it's not like a lot of great choices there. But I it's interesting if you think about like where the Cavs want to get this season. I think Atlanta's like probably a top three, four team in the in the health permitting. Charlotte, if you look, third best. Okay, so if you look at like the five thirty eight model, which you know isn't a perfect model, like no model is end all be all, etc. The Hornets, in terms of that hierarchy, are the next team above the Cavs in terms of playoff odds. In terms of the five thirty eight ranking, they're a team that I would have you know in that range above the Cavs uh, coming into the year to see if the Cavs are going to be a team that can get into that play in playoff hunt. Um, they're certainly, you know, the Cavs that, you know, ahead of Detroit, ahead of Orlando, but, c- you know, can they surpass Charlotte? Can they surpass like Toronto, Chicago, et cetera? The, like, this is a game where, like, I, it's early, obviously, and the Cavs will, in theory, develop and get better over the course of the season, but we might get an idea of, like, how these teams sort of stack up early. And that, that's at least kind of fun. And again, and again, the Cavs are heading into, like, a very brutal road trip, like, next week. So this is kind of like an early season, like, okay, let's see what we got here kind of game. Yeah, it really is. And I'm intrigued to see, yeah, how they match up the Hornets because I think the Hornets are a sneaky playing option for me. Like, I'm really high on their upside. Like, I was kind of out on Borrego as a coach, but then LaBella Ball just kind of made things easier for them. And Terry Rozier somehow was working for them. They they won the Kemba Walker trade big time because it didn't work out in Boston for Kemba. But, and like Gordon Hayward just kind of showing that he still has it is also a revelation too. like, I like the pieces the horns have assembled. I think they are two steps ahead of the Cavs because they have an impressive collection of individual talent, but they figured out how to make it all work and gel together. And I think LaMelo ball is the one, like he's the guy who brought it all together for them. It also helps that he plays point guard, which is the most, one of the most important positions in the league, obviously no dip, but yeah, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a tone setter for the Cavs. And this is an early palette test of maybe do the Cavs have the metal to hang with these teams that they could be kind of battling with towards the end of the season for that playing spot if they're, they're actually serious about being a playoff threat and then they head out west after they play Atlanta which we'll talk about in the final segment but I think just rebounding like that's the big thing like the Cavs really want to have a chance against the Hornets like they need to impose their will in terms of size on them as quickly as possible because the Hornets don't possess the size that can battle with Cleveland and if JB Bickerstaff is hell-bent and determined to play bigger than every team instead of you know bucking the trend of what conventional basketball tells you to play these days because I think the Warriors are kind of a lazy example I just think playing small and faster is just a smart way to go about things nowadays but um 
Well, I, I think I the size thing—the size thing—is via like unicorns, like, and that's a bad term, but it's like the size I advantage comes from Anthony Davis. It comes from Giannis. It comes from like having a like, healthy that kind of big... for a hot second. Yeah, and, but like, mo- and like Mobley might be that guy, but he's not but, there yet. So yeah, it's, we it's, need a lot yeah. of time and patience before we start saying that. Uh, friend of the program, Jonathan Charks. I'll put it in the show notes um, as, as a further reading. Shots to Charks, but. Uh, he wrote a really good piece about this this week for the ringer that I will put in the show notes. You can check that out. And that's that to me, it, it be, it's one of the best pieces I've read encapsulating the use of size in the modern NBA. And that's not a surprise because sharks is, is absolutely great. But Evan, we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back as Evan yeah. noted, we're going to preview Cavs Hawks, uh, dive into some of that game. But first, uh, I got to tell everyone about our friends at Bill Parr. Bill Parr has so many great flavors right now. They have blueberry muffin and cookie dough chunk back in stock. So you're going to get those before they're gone and, and you don't know when they're going to come back. They're going to go back you guys to that don't little bar. Out of a ton of blueberry treasure. muffin. Yeah, they're great. So uh, they also have coconut, cherry barcia, mint brownie, and a whole bunch of other flavors. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Remember, every built bar is 17, 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbohydrates. So order today. Go get that blueberry muffin, that cookie dough chunk, or whatever it is you like. And check out the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team and NASCAR. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Evan, last segment. Just a note on Atlanta and from a schedule perspective. They, they're for as we're recording this. They have not played their first game of the regular season yet. They are one of the the three teams, uh, four teams, excuse me. Dallas and Dallas and Atlanta are two, and they're playing each other on Thursday. The Miami Heat, who play the Bucks on Thursday, and then the Clippers, who play the Warriors late on the, in the late game on Thursday. They have not mm-hmm. played a game yet, so they are then off Friday when the Cavs are playing, and then these two teams play on Saturday. So if you're looking at this from a schedule breakdown. The Cavs are going to be a little bit behind the eight ball there. They're going to be coming in at a rest disadvantage of already having played two games when Atlanta played one, the de- the lack of a day off, et cetera. That doesn't excuse everything. Atlanta is definitely a better team kind of on paper and stuff. Um, please check out uh, Locked on Hawks. Brad Rowland is the man, and he absolutely is always just doing a bunch of crazy good work. So go check out that pod if you want some info ahead of this game. But, Evan, I, I think this is another game where I just want to see how – the Cavs approach it. I think hopefully, you know, we didn't really talk about this in the last segment. I would like to see if slash how slash how much we see, you know, Dylan Windler, Dean Wade as, as potential rotation options. Um, once they kind of get everyone healthy, I tend to think actually. that, you know, yeah, like, well, and like, you know, let's we'll, see, we'll like, Kevin we don't really know if Kevin Love might rest Saturday. Yeah. We're on right. the Yeah. And does that mean they really go are smaller? Do they play Dean Wade? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, that that to me is like where I want to start, and then I want to see how they defend Atlanta. Atlanta is a team that has a lot of dynamic wings. Um, we'll see kind of how they roll stuff out. They're they're kind of you know a good DeAndre. They have DeAndre Hunter back this year. They have Kevin Herter. They have you know they're without Onyeka Kongu right now, but they have good center still center play still not just in Clint Capella but in Gorgie Diang. Like this is a good team that has Trey Young, and the Cavs will have to deal with him first and foremost and, and come up with an attack plan for him. And again, particularly, I don't mean to keep hammering this, but it's like last year, the Cavs planned for this, and it was their plan with John Morant that worked, was Isaac Okoro, go hound that guard. And if he's not starting, what is their plan defensively to kind of attack See, Trey? That's, that's Yeah, let's play this game again, honestly, because let's just assume the starting five for the Hawks is Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. I think you put 
Allen on Capella, Moley on Collins. Maybe you put Markkinen on Hunter, and then you put Sexton on Young, and you put Garland on Bogdanovich. Like this is another less than ideal suboptimal team to be playing the Cavs, like with their all big lineup because Trey's gonna hunt Larry Markkinen much like John Morant did, and it just makes more sense conventionally just to deploy Isaac Okoro, like you said, and just say. Go ahead. We want you to hunt this guard. We want you to kind of shut their water off, make their life hell so it just doesn't get easy. And like Trey doesn't have the benefit of hunting for fouls as much anymore because the NBA officiating changes. But but he's but he's, he's still, still he's so still good fighting. that he's he's gonna get he's gonna get his. Like yes, like that rule affects him as much as anyone. That rule changed. But no, like, I know, but like that means yeah. Isaac doesn't have to be as hesitant to play defense on him because Trey's not gonna like try and bait him into pump. I mean, but Isaac's also notoriously bad at bump biting on pump fakes too. So. A yeah. little bit of a trade-off there too, but um, it's it's an interesting thing. I'm interested about that. Like you, you, you read my mind exactly because I don't know if Kevin Love will play on the second of back-to-backs. I mean, JB has done it in the past, but maybe they won't do it so much now. Um, if Dean Wade is still unavailable due to his ankle, if Dylan Willard is unavailable due to his hip, do we see? Oh my God, do we see Lamar Stevens get those like ninth man minutes, and you bump Jetty further up the rotation a little bit, or do you see? Oh, we're really reaching here. Do you see maybe some Kevin Pangos minutes and the Cavs go super small? Or do you see Taco Fall somehow get some burn? Like there's a lot of or maybe even Ed Davis. Maybe Ed Davis gets some burn, even though he doesn't he's fully admitted he does not expect to play for the Cavs at any point. But um the injury report should be released around 530 after we're done recording this. So at least we'll know who's available for the Hornets game, and maybe that will have a clearer indicator. But JB said on Monday he hopes Dean is available for the home opener. He doubts Dylan Windler will be, so maybe Dean Wade will just get way more burn against Atlanta if Kevin Love is unavailable. Like, There's a lot of variables and factors here, and I want to shift back again. Um, the Hawks, unlike the Hornets, have a lot of size, and Gorgie Diang, like, he was overpaid during his time, but I think he's a hell of a good rotational center. And I really like that addition for the Hawks because like, yeah, he's good. Okongu is probably going to bump him out of the rotation when he's healthy again. But like for now, like they could not be in a better situation in terms of depth. Like I, this Hawks team super intriguing. Like Cam Reddish too. Like Cam Reddish is probably, I don't know. Contract here. Cam Reddish has been an experience because the cast played him in the preseason, but I'm interested to see what happens there too. And that's another good example too, where like you talk about how JB would deploy Isaac, like JB deployed Isaac in the preseason and put him on, DeLon Wright, who was playing instead of Trey Young, and like <laughs> Isaac was making DeLon Wright's life hell on most occasions because Isaac's just a freak in nature defensively. And I just, I do wonder if the big lineup is a permanent thing because Fedor did say that this starting spot is Lowry Markin's to lose. And I wonder how many games Lowry needs to have where he's kind of getting hunted on defense for him to lose the starting spot. But I just conventional wisdom still tells me that Isaac Okoro, like despite his de- offensive lumps, like you can kind of cover up those deficiencies if you start him and just deploy him as the defensive stopgap on the team's best like guard or perimeter player. It's just where I'm at. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to kind of see how this all goes out, how the Cavs look, how they adjust. I mean, I think there's still some um, adjustments. I, I still think we are seeing some, you know, changes and things kind of evolve as they go. I think it's just so early in the year and, and everything that I just kind of want to see how ultimately mm-hmm. the Cavs handle it and, and how they adjust and what JB, what tweaks he decides to make. Cause there's inevitably are going to be tweaks and it, it could involve, um, 
you know, it, it could involve Lowry. It could involve, I mean, Lowry is obviously just kind of the obvious one here, but like that, like how they adjust and maybe, you know, how do your rotations change and things like that, I think are just going to be really interesting. And I, and I want to see how, um, that ultimately just just kind of goes. It, it's just one of the fun parts of the early season, aside from getting basketball back, aside from seeing Evan Mobley be do Evan Mobley stuff. Like that to me is one of the really fun things as we're kind of um yeah. getting the year started. But Evan, um, I'm gonna wrap up on on one note on Ben Simmons. You obviously probably saw the report that he came to Philadelphia and uh didn't practice minutes go to practice saying he has a back issue, uh, some back tightness. Doesn't seem like he's going to play after this is after he was kicked out of practice by Doc Rivers the other day and suspended for a game. Any, uh, any further, just, do you have any, do you have any take on, on if this changes anything in terms of him being available and the Cavs obviously being a team that have been interested? Well, if he has back problems, I know the number two hospital in the nation is located in Cleveland, Ohio. That could really help him with that. And I think, Playing with his good friend. I mean, I'll post the picture again, folks. I wish I had it on hand. But there's a picture of him posting up to your Garland. Look how happy Ben Simmons is. And hey, maybe maybe I'm gonna feed into the Cavs Twitter conspiracy theories. Maybe the Cavs didn't extend Colin Sexton so they can package him in a trade for Ben Simmons. Who knows? But it's a talent play. I still think if the Cavs are somehow able to swing for Ben Simmons, they go for it. But I still think there's more attractive offers out there. But uh, respect to Daryl Morey for n- kind of being firm on not wanting to settle for anything, but I think this is going to get uglier before it gets prettier for them. And I think he's going to end up settling for something. Um, the Joel Embiid comments were pretty damning. He's he said, I don't care about that man. Like full stop. He's like, I don't care about Ben Simmons. And it's just clear. The Sixers are ready to move on. Like the team, at least um, the organization is just kind of figuring things out. So fascinated. I think, if he comes to Cleveland, I wonder if he'll play a good company guy. I think Rich having such a good relationship with the Cavs certainly helps smooth things over a little bit. But yeah, man, if he's having back problems, the Cleveland Clinic can help take care of those, no problem. Yeah, all just a lot going on there. But anyway, that's going to be it for today's Lockdown Cavs. Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Now, why don't you go make your second listen? Lockdown Fantasy Basketball from our friend Josh Lish is hosting the number one daily fantasy basketball podcast. And you can listen to that wherever you're listening to Locked on Cavs right now. And you can watch it on YouTube as well. Thanks again, everyone tuning in. We'll be back on Monday, recapping the weekend games and previewing what is to come next week and talking about any other shenanigans that happened over the weekend with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Until next time, I'm Chris. He's Evan. We'll talk to you then.